Okay. Hello, world. <laughs> well, speaking after those two tremendous presentations, I feel like a mule in the Kentucky Derby. I, uh, I've been serving God 67 years, 62 as an evangelist. I buried two wives and a little girl, nursed one of my wives for 28 and a half years, put over 30,000 diapers on her, wore out three wheelchairs. God didn't promise we wouldn't have trouble. He didn't promise we wouldn't walk in hard places. But what he did promise was, I'll never leave you. Someone has well said, young people, if when you die, you have five real friends, you've been extremely successful. You see, the people you're trying to be friends with now won't be your friends four more years. You'll all go your ways. And then you'll go off to college and you'll get in with some folks and you want to please them more than you want to please your God. And four years after college, you won't see them anymore. But you will have sold your life through high school. You will have sold your life through college just trying to make friends with somebody that you think is a friend. I'm not God, but probably sitting beside you tonight is your worst enemy. Let me tell you, young people, that the greatest threat to your life tonight, to your destruction tonight, is peer pressure. Peer pressure. Wanting to be like somebody that's not anything. Let me read you a little bit of a story from Second Samuel 13. And it came to pass after this that Absalom, the son of David, had a fair sister whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David, loved her. That's a half-brother. Evidently a very beautiful, beautiful girl. A lot of, a lot of women in the Bible are beautiful. At 70, almost 70 years old, Pharaoh, the head of Egypt, wanted Sarah to be in his boudoir. Wanted to put her into his group of women. 70 years old. 
very beautiful, beautiful woman. This was this boy's half-sister. This boy is going to be the next king of Israel. The next king. He had a cousin named Jonadab. You can read the story here. He was first cousins with him. And he told him how to rape his sister. You better be real careful who is your friend. Do you want me to tell you who betrayed Jesus Christ? His friend. When Judas walked into the garden, he didn't say, you dirty rat. He said, friend, betrayest thou me? Believe me tonight. I've raised children. I'm raising grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And let me tell you tonight with absolute authority the greatest danger you have is peer pressure. Because if you will take this story, and I'm not going to preach a long time tonight, and that's unusual for me. I was preaching one place and one fellow leaned over to the other one and said, is he on the same day he started on? Another fellow wrote a little note and pinned it on his shirt. He said, the sermon is long and the subject is deep. So I think I'll just go off to sleep. If he quits before I wake, please give my arm a gentle shake. And some of you are already in a position to go to sleep on me. So how about setting straight up, boys, okay? Get that hump out of your back. Come on. Come on. When I went to school, you couldn't slouch. They'd send you to the principal's office for a beating. This boy had a cousin. And This young fellow who was going to be the next king, Ammon, trusted him, told him. You know, he said, John and Dave said to him, said, man, you, your dad's the king. You got the nicest chariot. You got a two-humper camel. I mean, this guy's got it. I mean, he 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 buy anything he wants. He he lives in the palace. And Jonadab said to him, "Why are you sad? Why are you sad? 
You're the child of the king. He said, I love Tamar. I love Tamar. Ladies, listen to me. These boys don't know love if it run over them with a truck. (laughs) It's spelled a little bit different. It's L-U-S-T. Lust. Lust. They're lusting after your body. Billy Sunday was an old-time preacher a lot of years ago. You know what Billy Sunday said to young ladies back in the 1920s? If some boy asks you to marry him, ask him three questions. One, did you think I was a virgin when you asked me? Two, in light of the first question, Would you have asked me? Thirdly, do you still want me? Just because you can't get pregnant, son, you as bad off as the girl that lets you. Huh? So Jonadab says to this fellow Amnon, Ammon, he said, Ammon, Ammon, he, he said, look, let me tell you how to do it. He said, just have her bake your favorite type of cake and tell your daddy how much you love Tamar's cooking. And let her bake that. And then put everybody out of the house. And here's how you rape your sister. You put all your servants out of the house. So she can scream her head off, but no help is coming. And while he's raping his sister, she's crying out, I'm I'm, I'm your sister. Don't, don't. You will be as one of the fools of Israel. You know what the Bible says, young people? Listen to this. Listen to this. And as soon as he got to raping her, he shoved her out of the house and said, The hate I have for you is greater than the love I had for you. Yeah. 
young people say to me, Brother Williams, do, do you believe young people ought to date? Yeah. This is how I believe young people ought to date. He pulls up in front of your house, never stops, just coasting by, and you jump in. And then you take a Bible this big and lay it long ways between you. And time he crawls over Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he won't bother you a whole lot. Drive 75 miles an hour one way. Do a Yui and drive 75 back and then jump out. Huh? Huh? Please understand tonight the human heart is deceitful. Jeremiah said it's more deceitful than anything else. If that wasn't in the Bible, I wouldn't believe that for a minute. You mean my heart and your heart is more deceitful than the federal government? You mean my heart and your heart is more deceitful than a new car warranty? Your heart will lie to you. Girls, girls, don't talk. Just listen. I've got something to say to you. I'm your friend, but I want you to listen just like you would want me to listen if you were up here. And so here's Amnon. And now his brother I mean, this guy is way up in the popularity of Israel. They love Absalom. Absalom had to be the handsomest guy ever. And man, he had a head of hair you can't believe. I mean, good looking. Learn from God. Man looks on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. David had seven brothers. Samuel went down there. He didn't know which one to anoint because God didn't tell him. He said, just get all the sons of Jesse. And he got all these guys. And you can turn over there and read about that. In First Samuel 15. Uh, and it said the first guy that came by was Eliab. And he was taller than anybody else. I mean, this guy is walks like El Tigre. He's got a robe that doesn't have a wrinkle in it. I mean, his sandals are shined. I mean, he walks and, and, and you just have to adore him just because of his tremendous, tremendous physical build. And even Samuel, the greatest prophet of the Old Testament, is taken in and said, Though the Lord have chosen this one, God said, That ain't him, Samuel. (laughs) Don't look 
on his outward appearance. God looks on the heart. Would you take out your cell phones tonight, please? Everybody has one. Please get it out. Would you hold them up in the air like this? Let me see them. Okay, yeah. A lot of cell phones. Now, how many of you would say that you're saved? Now, you're going to think I've lost my mind, okay, but I haven't. You have just told me by a raised hand, I believe I'm saved. Would you look at that cell phone kind of like this right here? And I want you to convince that cell phone that you're saved. By what's on it. Do you believe a saved cell phone ought to have the trash that you've got on there? Huh? Do you believe a saved cell phone would talk and allow it to talk what you allow? What you say? What you allow your friends to say? Hey, remember this boy that lied to Amnon. I want you to understand, he was his friend. He was his friend. I'm telling you tonight that the greatest thing you face is peer pressure. David's children had been raised right. Because the Bible said here that Amnon felt it hard to do anything to his sister. When he thought about his sister's body and thought about raping him, he, he found it hard to do it. He, he argued with himself, Amnon, this isn't right. You, you know what you've been taught, Amnon. And, and, and Amnon, this will ruin you. And Amnon, and Amnon, and Amnon. You know why he had a hard time? He'd been raised right. Some of you young people have had the privilege of being raised right. But your friends have got you convinced that your parents are dead wrong. That your preacher is dead wrong. That your school teacher is dead wrong. Amnon found it hard. You know why? Because he had a family that taught him right. But young people, listen to me. I have counseled thousands and hundreds of thousands of young people and couples. I would not know how many couples that I've counseled with and went over with them about raising children. But I want you to understand tonight, young people, that peer pressure erases family teaching. You're... You know, you, you can teach your, your, your mom and dad can teach you how to drive a car. 
You know, now, now don't ever go fast. Don't take off fast. Jackrabbit starts, wear out the car, wear out the tires, everything else. I don't want you to drive like that, son. I don't want you to drive like that, daughter. And they teach you and teach you and teach you and ride with you. And everything's okay. Now it's time you got your driver's license and dad and mom talk it over and say, yeah, you can, you can take the car down to the ball game tonight or down to uh, the school get together and then come straight home. And you see your friends at the party, uh, at the school function, and you get out on the street, or maybe some of them are riding with you, and they say, what will this old flivver do? <laughs> uh, is it pretty fast off the light? Has it got any go about it? And they keep edging and edging and edging and edging until he jams a foot feet to the bottom and shows them what it'll do. And all 16 years of training is down the tube because you want to please some friend. My boy was raised, right? My boy played on the football team at school. He was voted class president and so on. And one day he came home and he was on the verge of crying. I said, Tim, what's the matter? He said, Daddy, the principal of our school called me in today, questioned me. He thinks maybe I took some money out of somebody's locker. I said, really? I said, Tim, what have you and I been discussing? We've been discussing your friends. Now I've already told you that you cannot have anything to do with these two particular boys. But you, in spite of everything I said, in spite of spanking your bottom for you, you've gone ahead and you're known that these are your friends. I said, Tim, the principal told me he called you in because of your association with those two boys. He thinks you probably did steal the money. Thank God he didn't. But you're known by your friends. You're known by your friends. Young people, I've got preachers that I cannot preach for tonight that I preached for 10 years ago. You know why? We're not on the same road anymore. I still believe this book. I got on a plane by a man up in the northeast part of our nation. 
I didn't, I've never seen him in his life. We got to talking. He was a pastor up there in a congregational church. And we got talking about the Bible and he said, you're just one of those fellows that just believes the Bible. I said, you got it. He said, do you believe all of it? I said, all of it. He said, do you even believe the story about Lot? I said, yes. He said, do you believe his wife turned to a pillar of salt? I said, you could have used it on the supper table if you'd had a shaker. (laughs) He said, man, you do believe it, don't you? I said, "Uh uh-huh. He said, you know what I believe God meant to say? I said, no, tell me. I believe God meant to say her mind crystallized. I said, "Uh, let me me ask you something. Do you believe God can say her mind crystallized? He said, sure. I said, I wonder why he didn't. He said, I never thought of that. (laughs) I'm on an airplane, and I've got great big ears. And I'm sitting here, and there's a guy behind me, and he's sitting by a 24-year-old college graduate. And he asked him a question. I wonder why we're having all this sex delusion, crime, and and wickedness in in America. And I said, well, let me tell you something. And, and this young man, he, he just went on and on and on for about 20 minutes and said nothing. So I stood up and I turned around and I said, sir, let me tell you why America is in the mess it's in. He said, please do. And I took my Bible and held it up in the air. And I said, because they have forgotten this blessed book and the God of this book. And this young college graduate, he said, you don't know that for a fact. I said, I do know that for a fact. He said, there are no facts. The pilot had just come on the radio a few minutes before and said, we are flying at 550 miles an hour at 35,000 feet. I said, son, the pilot said, we are 35,000 feet in the air and we're flying 550 miles an hour. He said, I don't know that. The older man, 45 years old, sitting by. I said, is this airplane flying? He said, I sure hope so. (laughs) I'm telling the truth. By this time, the whole plane is listening. (laughs) And the guy sitting across the aisle, he stood up. He said, sir. Let me be the first one to tell you this airplane is flying. 
And I looked at this fellow and this young man, and I said, and that's a fact. <laughs> so the guy said, the young guy, he said, okay, shh, 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 shh. I can see that's a fact. I took my Bible and I raised it up in the air and I let that whole plane know something. I said, let me tell you, son, since that's a fact, there's two facts. It's a fact that this is the everlasting word of the everlasting God. Boy, when I got off the plane, you could have run a D9 caterpillar in front of me and hit nobody. They parted like the Red Sea. And I'm sure that night I was the subject of a lot of conversations. You should have been on flight 701 today. This nut was on there. You know, did you ever figure this out? Everybody is somebody's fool. And I'd rather be a fool for God than anyone else. The greatest danger you face is who your friends are. I've been in prison after prison after prison, some of the biggest ones. And I've gone cell to cell. And I have yet to meet one man in those prisons that did not tell me this very thing. Every one of them told me the same thing. Preacher, I'm here because of my friends. I came into one church to preach, and the pastor said, Brother Williams, I'm sorry I have to leave, but my kid brother's in trouble. Can you preach two or three days without me? I said, sure. He said, my kid brother had a friend that called him and, and said, uh, uh, I've got a, I don't have a car, and I've got a package that must get across town to this particular address, a friend of mine. Could you run it by there for me? I said, sure, sure. Well, when he drove up in the front yard with that package, the FBI drove in right behind him. And they opened the package, and it was full of dope. And he said, no, no, you, you, you must, I, I'm just delivering this for a friend. I'm just delivering this for a friend. It, it has nothing to do with me. Call him, ask him, and they did. And he said, I don't know that guy. And he got 10 years. I beg you to believe, young people. The person you're sitting by tonight may be your worst enemy. If you ever read the book of Flavus Josephus, you'll find in there that there was a king. 
And he got his wise men together. And he said, I want to know my greatest enemy. So one of these wise men, they went off, all of them, and they came back in a few days, and one of them said, King, I'll tell you your worst enemy. He said, who is it? He said, the man that's in next command under you. That's your worst enemy. One guy of the three said, that's not true, King. He's as far off as he can be. The other guy said, King, no, 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 he's right. That guy's wrong. I, I tell you, I tell you, the, the greatest threat to your kingdom is the general that leads your army. Because he can switch on you any time. And the other guy said, King, they're both wrong. They're both wrong. Let me tell you who your greatest enemy is in your kingdom. The best looking woman in your kingdom is your greatest enemy. Young people, God said three things a king shall not do. Number one, he doesn't multiply women unto himself. Number two, he doesn't multiply money. Number three, he doesn't multiply horses. Solomon did all three. And the smartest man that ever lived, the Bible says in Nehemiah chapter 10, that even outlandish women did cause Solomon to sin. Most of you tonight could marry somebody ugly and not go beyond yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Quit thinking you're God's gift to the world because you're not. Do you know what you're made out of? Dirt. Well, the boys are. You girls are made out of ribs. You got a little little bit of a thing going for you. (laughs) If we went out there tonight to where we could get to some dirt, and we brought some of it in here and analyzed it, we would come up with 14 different chemicals. If we took a piece of you tonight, the same 14 chemicals, because you are made out of dirt. Do you know what the major four of them are? Carbon, hydrogen, oxygen, nitrogen. You're just a bunch of gas. (laughs) 
Son, you haven't smiled all night. How about just a little one, okay? Atta boy. I don't I don't know how I could challenge you any more than Bob has challenged you. I don't know how I could challenge you any more than our brother with his story of this young man. So refreshing when I meet a young person that's sold out to God. I'm the youngest of 14 children. There was nine boys and five girls. I was my brother's football for a long time. You say, Brother Wayne, we're poor. You don't know what poor is. When your mother puts two babies in the same diaper, you know you're poor. Kids used to laugh at me because I didn't have any shoes to wear at school. You don't know anything about high water clothes, but I wore hand-me-downs. You know, kids just came through a thing and they'll go back to it where you sew patches on your jeans and stuff to be in the end generation. We sewed patches on us so the whole generation didn't see our end. (laughs) Don't offer an excuse tonight why you can't serve God. Okay, so you're poor. Okay, so you're not smart as somebody else is. One of the worst things that our Christian schools particularly have done to our young people is they put them in a mold and squeezed. Not everybody is an A. Not everybody makes an A. Can't make an A. Not everybody is a B. Some people are just C's and they'll never be any different than a C. And if you squeeze them till they are, you will misshape them. Huh? Did you know that nobody in this world has a fingerprint like mine? Do you understand when I was born for the first time in all of the world, this fingerprint showed up? You are different. Quit trying to be like somebody else. If young people, I'm just a cowboy from a little West Texas town, 4,500 people with a high school diploma, and I've preached all over the world. I've preached in the biggest churches in the world, I've held citywide crusades. And on and on and on. Look, let me tell you something. I am nothing. 
Brother Bob, with all these accolades of being on all these television programs and, and this on and on and on and on and, and all of the things he's done. He's nothing. And I want you to understand, you're nothing. If you can come to the full agreement and full understanding and really mean it, that you are nothing, it will be the greatest thing that ever happened to you. So people are going to build you up and they're going to build you up and they're going to build you up, you know. Just file all of that stuff over here in file 13. It's a little round bucket called the waste bucket. And let God be God. Christ was coming down the road over on the Jericho Road and there was a blind man Named Bartimaeus, he wanted to see. Christ stopped the crowd, had him come out to the middle of the road, said, what do you want me to do? He said, I want to see. He said, you can see. And he could see. Been born, but blind all of his life. Timaeus means blind man. Bar means son of. His daddy was a blind man. And then he was blind. He said, I want to see. Christ said, you can see. And he could see. The Lord Jesus goes 15 miles up to Jerusalem. There's a guy up there. And he's blind. And he wants to see. And do you know what the Bible says? The Bible says, Christ went, And then picked it up and made a mud ball out of it and put it on the guy's eyes and said, walk all the way to the pool of Siloam and wash in the waters of Siloam and you'll be able to see. You say, Brother Williams, why didn't he just tell him? You can see. Get hold of your chair now. I'm going to teach you something, okay? Hang on. He didn't want to. He didn't want to. Now, if those two guys were as stupid as we are, they would have met up. And one of them said, were you really blind? Yeah. Well, what happened? Well, Jesus came by. And he said, you can see, and I could see. And this guy says, it wasn't Jesus. Jesus goes, and then he, you said, brother, how do you know he went, you ever try to get enough spit to make a mud ball without going, you'll be there all day. He said, Jesus spits and picks it up and wipes it on your eyes and you've got to walk to the pool of Siloam and wash in the waters of Siloam. And then, let me tell you what would happen if they were as dumb as we are. There'd be two camps. 
the Faithites and the Mudites. Listen to me, and I'm through. Listen to me, listen to me. Let God be God. And if He never does anything with you, like He has Brother Bob or myself or somebody else, that's okay. Because He owns you. You're His. And whatever He wants to make out of you, fine. And what He don't want to make out of you, don't force it. And be not envious or covetous. Let me tell you, the young people, listen to me. Listen to me. What's destroying the church is not harlots. What's destroying the church is not a bunch of drunks. I've been preaching for a long, long time. And I can't tell you one church that a drunk ever split. I can't tell you one church that a, a harlot ever split. But I can show you dozens of them that gossips tore all to pieces. And envy and strife and jealousy and backbiting. I can't smell those. I can smell liquor. I can smell smoke. I can smell most kinds of dope. But listen to me. Listen to me. I can't smell the things that are destroying you. Envy. You want to be like somebody else. You want to have what they have. And on and on and on and on and on. And God said, those are the things that destroy you. So, present yourself tonight to God. And just say, I am the clay. You are the potter. Mold me and make me after thy will.